0: Hey, everybody. Before we get started in this episode, I know that you're eager to get going, but I wanted to ask for your help. We want to get the word out there more that uh, this podcast exists. So if you're finding value in this and you really are enjoying this, would you mind please sharing this with your colleagues or putting it on social media as much as you can so that we get the word out there and we could continue to deliver more and more content like this. Really appreciate your help and uh, thank you very much Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another mini series where we're going to continue off with John. Hey, John.
1: Hey, Adam. How are you, man?
0: Excellent. I think we left off last time talking about uh, the hiring process of, of sales account, account executives, and EDRs or SDRs. Yeah. Today, we'll, we'll talk about onboarding and, and compensation.
1: Yeah. And then so we went through about what to look for right on the CVs and, and what to look for in the interview process. So now let's assume you found some people, (laughs) right? And and I think next is how do you pay them and how do you get them to ramp up and how do you get them to be successful?
0: Yeah. Let's start with uh, how do you pay them so that they know how to handle the contract negotiations.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a couple different schools of thought on this and how you look at it. The first thing that I want to look to do is I think there's a basic formula that you can use, right? To figure out like what to pay people and... Really, when you look at it, I believe it's a 4x multiplier of what their OTE is, right? And so you could start to use it from there. Uh, if you come up with their OTE, let's just keep the math simple and say it's a $100,000 OTE, right? They're on target earnings. And typically, you want to make it a 50-50 split. In most cases, it could be 60-40, 70-30, right? Depending on what you're selling, et cetera. But to just keep your math simple, let's just say it's $100,000 OTE for their on target. And that's a 50 50 split, right? So that would be a 50K base and a 50K variable. And so if you're going to pay them $100,000 a year, you want to multiply that number by four. And that's what you want to at least get back from them in a revenue contribution, right? From the role. I think that's a very much a
0: Bay Area number. Because the numbers, (laughs) because your salaries are higher and your rent is higher and everything. Yeah, but (laughs) normally I think it's outside of there. I've heard a lot more, uh, the numbers are like five times, five X.
1: Yeah. So you can go four or five X. But again, if you're in an area like the Silicon Valley, you're going to start to get a. Your quotas are going to be pretty high for these reps, you know, for them to hit it and so again but just to keep your math simple you know you could use the so let's say you do a four or a five X multiplier right so now when you want to come up you've already got their base again so let's say their base is fifty thousand so now you need to figure out how they can make fifty thousand dollars in variable commission by selling four hundred thousand dollars right so that's how you can start to back into the number okay so you could start to look at it that way and then once you come up with that number now you can come up with their quota right and their number and now you have their variable i would also caution people to pressure test that number to see if it's even realistically attainable right so let's say for example again keep them math simple that hundred thousand dollars that means you want them to do four hundred thousand dollars annually right which is a hundred thousand dollars in revenue a quarter find out your average deal size or what you suspect your average deal size would be. How many deals is it? Would they need to sign 80 deals, right, to hit that? Is that realistic? Like, you know, so you can start to really pressure test these numbers to see if it even makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, I would recommend lowering the quota. However, the OTE is a direct correlation of their quota. Right, so you wanna start to, you gotta work back both of those numbers, right? You don't wanna pay someone just because the market dictates that you should pay them $100,000 a year, and then their quota, because of realistically what's obtainable, their quota is $150,000 annually. You're never gonna be able to scale that out, right? So you wanna understand, like, okay, what can, do the math on it, really work through a funnel, do an analysis to say, okay, does it pass just a basic sniff test, right? To say, okay, well, yeah, okay, all right, we do this, that would be about three deals a month, okay and you can start to work out what's the demo set rate and, and you can at least put hypothesis around there right to give you an idea of what the conversion rates would be and what that would line up to but biggest thing that you don't want to do is constantly have your ote and your quotas changing every month every quarter while you have reps there right and it's really challenging Nothing's more
0: upsetting than to have your commission being changed every other every other month
1: Right, and it's just people will never get over a slight. Yeah, if they feel that you've slighted them, they're never going to get over it.
0: And, like, and they never they will to. feel slighted if you're yes. changing the commission. They will feel slighted.
1: Yes, and I have had that happen to me. And I unfortunately it was it was I had to let reps go. They couldn't get over it. It affected their performance. They were you know, and I was like, okay, we've got to move on at this point. So you've got to be very, I I encourage you to really pressure test it early on. And when you design your quota, uh, especially, you know, as you're an early stage company, you want to obviously, you you want everyone to be hitting quotas. But as you start to scale, your quota should be designed to where 60 to 65% of your reps are hitting quota, right? They're hitting at least the minimum entry. Now, some of them your your top 10% are always going to be over, right? You want you really want your top 10% to be doing 120, 130% of that quota. Your uh, next percent are going to make, you know, that 100 to 105, 105%, 105%. So you can't you're not going to you shouldn't be designing a quota where every single rep can hit that quota because it's too low. It, you want it to where you've got to have to do some work for it, but keep in mind the OTE that you're going to pay these reps should be in direct correlation of what you expect back from them
0: and if these numbers don't match up and like you can't get that 4x or the 5x then you have to reevaluate either your pricing or your go to market strategy cuz it doesn't work if if you can't make money
1: yeah i mean if 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 you lose $2 on every widget you sell selling 10,000 of those widgets doesn't make you suddenly make money right so it's just basic economics right to understand that so yeah you're you're right like if you if you're doing the math and they're really off calibrated you know it let's say you have a 3.8 x multiplier okay sure right you could you know you can make that work but if you're lining up and there's no way someone can do twice what you you pay them or three times you, you should you've got to go back to the drawing board of your pricing model your monetization schedule your go to market and really try to understand because if it's that low, you may need to be doing a freemium model, where you're just, you know, or or you need to simplify your product to where they can onboard without, without any sales with, or up interaction. Yeah.
0: Self help, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Great. So now we know how to compensate our our salespeople, <laughs> <laughs> four to
1: five x. Yeah.
0: Are there any other aspects are you looking at when compensating your your salespeople?
1: I try to make it. As simple as possible. It's not always the case. You can't always do that, but I try to make it as simple and easy for the reps to understand as possible. And the more convoluted and scales that you have, and okay, you'll make a hundred and uh, you'll make thirteen percent on this bar, and once you get to this graph above that graph, now that's going to be nineteen percent, and then this bar, it's like oh Jesus, like you, you just you overcomplicate. It. What happens is. You never have reps running through the tape because they don't know how much money they can actually make. So my recommendation would be to make it as simple as you possibly can for a rep to understand because then they can capitalize on it. You want it to say, okay, you make X percent commission on what you sell everything up to 100%. Above 100%, I'll pay you X percent on everything. And And so the easier you can make it to understand, the more you'll have reps fighting at the end of the quarter, end of the month to make... More money and to, to achieve more.
0: Absolutely. And on, on that note, also don't cap the commission because it it, it really is unmotivating to know that if I'm going to sell more, I don't get anything else.
1: Yeah, that's, I don't understand why. Like, yeah. It's like, that's like someone saying, I want to not work the last two months of the year because I, I went up into a new tax bracket. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're you're merely being taxed on money you made, so it's not like, yeah. So it, it, I I've never understood why you would you would cap people. And understand that? So yeah, I would always recommend if you've got high performers, let the eagles fly. Future eagles
0: just means more money for you, and even if that means they're making more money than the than the CEO and the founders, they, that hey, let them have it. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Let's talk about onboarding. How, do, Once we've hired the person and, and we agreed on how we're going to pay them, how do we get them up and running as quickly as possible?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is... And you talk about it being an early stage company and an early stage founder, early stage sales leader. This is really, really challenging and it takes a lot of bandwidth. Like This is where recruiting and interviewing and hiring is certainly going to take up bandwidth. But now, let's say you've got, you know, three BDRs, you know, three or four BDRs that you're going to onboard, it's time consuming. Like, it is really going to take a lot of time to get them properly onboarded and properly, you know, ramped, right? Because everyone wants to get them ramped as quickly as possible, right? So that's, but you don't want to take shortcuts in doing that because you're going to pay for it down the road, right? So you've got to be, you know, John Wooden, uh, the great basketball coach would always say, be quick, but don't hurry. So you've got to understand process, process, process. And I'm a big believer of when you're onboarding someone or people, you have to be really hyper, hyper, hyper diligent. You can't be loose in the socket and and let them figure things out when it comes to data integrity, knowing what their mile markers are, what the daily expectations are. You have to be really rigid in the beginning because they're never going to follow through with it if you're not. Right, and so when you're onboarding them, you've got to be slow, deliberate, and diligent, right? You have to really make sure that they know all the fundamental stuff, because if the foundation isn't stable, everything is gonna crumble, right? And so take your time, teach them, right? So it could be something as simple as using your instance in your CRM, right? You've gotta know like, this is how we log calls. This is how we create tasks. This is how we do follow-up emails. Here's the temp- templates that we use. All those are as critical to them being able to do the value prop over the phone. Yeah. Right? Because only what you measure can you ever hope to improve.
0: Yeah. If if you don't log it, it never happened as far as I'm concerned.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I always tell them if it's not in the database, it doesn't exist. So, you know, you've got to be really, really hyper, hyper diligent, really bringing them on. And So, I would always encourage reps, you know, we're going to go slow. We're gonna make sure that you understand this. Um, I want you, everyone, asking questions, right? If you don't understand it, ask questions. Come outside of your comfort zone. Don't ask your peer that's next to you because guess what? They've been here as long as you have. So, like, you ask someone that doesn't know how to do it how to do it. You are gonna do it the wrong way. So, just really taking your time and being hyper hyper diligent with them to really make sure that they fundamentally know how to do everything. And it's really critical in the beginning because I mean the human brain is fascinating but what our brain does is it builds pathways right and it builds these little pathways to to quickly be able to remember things and regurgitate information and so if you're not diligent about it someone can do things the wrong way their brain is building pathways for them to do it incorrectly and so then three or four months down the road when you finally identify it that they've been doing it wrong they can't fix. They've it. already built these pathways, <laughs> yeah. and so now it's going to inherently slow them down because now their brain has to compute. Wait, is it down this pathway that is the correct way or the other way? And so it slows them down. So you have to say, "Go slow, like hyper slow." So I would always get them in conference rooms. I would take them through a tour of the CRM. I'd be like, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how to log a call. Here's how you do it. Okay, now I want all of you to do it. Okay, I'm gonna walk on an audit. You okay? Perfect. You're gonna do it. And so just go really, really slow, especially in the beginning and make sure they have that component because it's just going to kill you later on. And it's, and it will slow down their ramp. It's going to slow them down.
0: Yeah. You kind of need to, you really need to have that McDonald's manual with them. So even when you're not there, you're right, walk them through it step-by-step. But then, so when you're not there, they could just open the book. Oh, how am I supposed to log this call? Because yep. it's not about like what button do I push to log this call? It's also how do I log it? In what format do I log it in so that it matches? And
1: and yeah. We talked about this on another episode, right? Automating things. Yeah. Right. It's like, sure, you can get things that automatically log calls and do all this. But again, they don't inherently understand the why behind it. They're organically less bought in, right? You know, they're going to be less bought into like why you should do it. So really, really take your time. Have that McDonald's manual. I, I do screenshots in there, right? You know, with arrows, walking them through. And the other thing is make sure you don't do it for them. It will go faster if I just do it for you, but it will kill us down the road because you just don't know how to do it, right? So you've got to fight that urge. Like, oh God, all right, I'll just, I'll just do it. Take, slow down, take a deep breath. Ask them, hey, so what were you thinking? Hey, Adam, can I ask you why you did it this way? Oh, yeah, I thought this. Oh, okay, this is where you you misunderstood, right? Or this is where we got off base. And so you've got to be the teacher. You've got to constantly be teaching and reinforcing positive behavior and going through there. And so just really just, I can't say it enough, just be hyper, hyper diligent in that beginning when you're trying to teach them the core fundamentals of just your very basic stuff, right? And I spend a lot of time on that in the beginning and once they have that, usually within a day or two, then you want to get them into the scripts and the cold calls and the personas, right? And and, and start getting them now the key components of their job, delivering value props. And the methodology that I like to use is, is I really take it from football, uh, American football, and how we you know design plays and introduce new plays into a game, and it's really is called walkthrough seven on seven and then full contact. And so what you do to use a a football analogy is your walkthrough as you initially design a play, you don't just go put it into a game. You're in a hotel conference room, everyone lines up and you walk through slowly on how the play is supposed to be designed. From there, you can make tweaks like, oh no, you're off here, let's tweak this. Now, once you've got that, so what you do is you just have someone deliver your value prop to you. Don't give them objections. Don't throw them off. You know, till just let them say it to you. It's almost yeah, like regurgitation. Let them get comfortable point. with it. Yeah, you know, it's 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 everything from learning how to talk to someone when you can't make eye contact with them. Right? It, it's like tongue placement as you enunciate words. Very minor stuff, but just let them get that out. Let them you know practice on you a little bit. Okay, now they've got that. Now you're delivering the value prop. Now you go on to seven on seven. And so what that is, is now you're running the play full speed, but there's only seven players instead of 11. So there's no people on the inside. So you should be able to complete the pass if there's no, you know, should still be pretty easy, right? So now you let them deliver it on you, but maybe you give them one minor objection, right? Or you you tweak it slightly, right? And you let them say, okay... You you teach them how to do one objection or you you take them off a path a little bit. So now they're starting to think, oh, wait, what do I do here? What do I do there? Now they've got that down. Now you go on to full contact. And this is where I'm gonna give you every objection in the book. I'm gonna try to take you into the woodshed. I'm gonna see if you, <laughs> you know, you break down, you start to cry, or you're like, okay, wait, I don't know, dude. I'm like, okay, good now that you're prepared for everything now setting the demo and calling an actual prospect is easy so yeah and you can speed up practice yeah you speed up practice the game will slow down
0: one one thing i used to do is uh i actually i used to be a scuba diving instructor many years ago and so i'd always have like a group of six to eight people all geared up and and i was really anal i wanted everybody to be taught to do it perfectly Like to have your equipment set up perfectly because no sloppiness. And if I saw somebody had something wrong, I would just tell them, hey, one of you has something wrong. All of you have to work together and run through the mental checklist in your head of what is what is needs to be where and help each other out. Because then that also allows them, because if you just tell them, hey, this is wrong, it, it doesn't allow them to run through the whole process and and figure that out
1: themselves problem solving right like it teaches them that of i and do that's such a great analogy i do the same thing of when you're walking them through of like teaching them how to log calls right or something it sounds very simple right but okay you log the call all right let me look at it i look at it all right hey adam you missed two things on here yeah what is it well take a look at it look at your notes what did you miss and so again it's always easier if you just tell them hey your valve isn't assembled correctly here but they're gonna learn more by you saying, "All right, one of you is missing something." Have, on that, have you ever seen the movie Whiplash? No. Oh God, it's it's very kind of sadistic, but it's about a, a a musical instructor. But he does the same thing, I think. So I think you would like that movie. It's uh, he's you know teaching his orchestra, and he's like, "All right, hold up, stop! Someone's out of key here." <laughs> so it's like a whole. It's twenty. one of you is out of key. Who is it? Say who it is and he's kind of crazy, but it was like, it's a super intense movie, but it was good. But it's about a lot of times, not to use more football analogies, but what a lot of times coaches to their default is they try to coach every single second, right? So they're on the practice field and they're screaming at the player while they're running the play. You know, you got to go left. You got to go left. You know, zebra, zebra, you know, they're yelling it out while the play is running. The great coaches are going to say, look, at some point the players have to play. Like during the game, I can't calibrate them like that. So you've got to go to them and be like, hey man, so one of you is out of alignment. Which one was it? And so you start to get it, you get the team building up to say, okay, because when you're on the phone together and you know, a lot of the VoIPs and everything now have the whisper features, which I think in theory is great. Like I like it, it never helps.
0: Because it just it throws never them off their game. Because then they're like, uh, 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 you know, listening to you trying to answer the client, like mess. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. In, it's one of those great things on paper is <laughs> great, but it never helps. Like someone can't listen to two people at the same time, right? And so it's like at some point, and so what I look to do is, the harder you can make practice, the slower the game will get. It'll slow down for them, and so. The other thing that I do when I'm onboarding new reps is every single morning, we do a stand up and we do objection handling and role play every morning before we get on the phone. So you want to get them, you know, get them comfortable, get the marbles out, you know, have let them have a cup of coffee, come in here and you want to battle test them to where that way when they get the persona that they're calling on the phone, they're like, oh, Adam's not such an asshole. <laughs> like John was way more early than I was yeah. like this guy's, you know, so you've got to get them like, okay, you've got to get them out of their comfort zone. And one of my core philosophies that I believe is, you know, smooth seas never made a skilled sailor. Like it's only in the chop that you get better and you know how to do it. So the more that you can get them into the chop, if you will, through their onboarding, the better they'll perform when they're live in front of people and in front of buyers.
0: Absolutely. Now. That said, doing all this role playing and everything is is great. it does help a lot, but it's nothing like actually speaking to a real prospect
1: mm-hmm. so you can and I always tell new reps with this, and they're usually shocked by it. I typically have them on the phone day two of their employment, yeah, now a lot of times it is just qualifying, like I have them do lead qualification right so i'm not. I'm not a sadist, guys, you know, whoever's listening to this, like, calm down. I'm going to to get them to set demos, right? And be like, okay, you know, and berating them if they don't get the demo. But what I have them do is start doing top of the funnel lead qualification, right? So if you've got, you know, MQLs in your database that aren't fully qualified to SQLs that you can call just to get information from, like employee count or something fairly basic, I would highly recommend you get those new hires on those right away because... What I always tell new reps is we could sit in this conference room and practice and role play and whiteboard for 90 days and your first hundred calls would still suck.
0: Yeah. That's just the way it it goes. (laughs) Even if you're a a tremendous salesperson and you jump out into a new company, you're still going to suck your first phone calls. Like You don't know the product. You don't know the objections. You don't know the way to order the pitch. So that it will, yeah. it makes sense and it flows.
1: And so I go break some eggs. And so you want to do all this practice, all this preparation, but do it in parallel while people are going to learn a lot by doing. Yeah. Right. So let them get out there. Now don't put them on your A plus prospects that are, you know, trying to set a demo. And if you've got some le- raw leads, and so what I, So what I'll typically do, again, this obviously depends on the business you have, the lead pool you have, et cetera, et cetera. But if you've got a good number of leads, what I would always have reps do is typically day two, they're on the phone and they're qualifying what I always called our raw leads. So they were the leads that were super raw that we had no intel about. I don't know, likely that probably 50% of them wouldn't even qualify. And I call it chopping wood. I tell them like, all right guys, these are your first batch of leads and we're gonna chop wood on these. Like I just wanna get you chopping wood don't worry. Don't stress out. If you make a mistake, it's okay. It's if not you our burn grade. The lead, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just go break some eggs. And so you want to get them on the phone as quickly as possible because they're gonna suck, and it'll be a confidence booster if they suck early, right? And then you can build them up and say, okay. And so other things I've done too is I'll usually just have them privately, not privately, but personally, do it on their phone like on their first day and I'll give them the value prop and the flow. And I'm like, all right, let's do a practice. I typically have them record. their like very first ever practice cold call and just have them keep it on their phone. So you just keep that. And then 30, 60 days or 90 days later, have them go back and listen to it. And they're going to laugh at themselves. Like, yeah, remember. (laughs) So when you're down, you're going to feel like, (laughs) yeah, you're going to be like, wow, I I have gotten better, you know, and and hopefully. (laughs) 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 And so that's where you can see of, You've got to be, in my mind at least, you've got to be very rigorous, right, with the protocols and the data integrity and all that early on. You've got to really battle test them, if you will, for lack of a better term, with practice and role play, but that is not in lieu of them getting on the phone and just practicing and doing some things. Do those in parallel. So there's no need to spend four weeks. With a new hire, trying to train them and get them up, and then you put them on the phone, and you're like, "Oh yeah, you kind of sucked like it's okay like get get that out, so I feel like it's a it's a much better confidence booster when you do them in parallel yeah right and 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 can get them on the phone
0: and when you do get them on the phone and you're gonna afterwards you have your notes of things that they did wrong or could improve upon, don't give it all to them." don't don't bombard them with information that of all the things that they did wrong choose one or two things that would make the biggest impact
1: yeah for sure yeah you got to give it to them and when you're coaching someone remember that people will only retain about 30 percent of what you say so if let's say someone did 15 things wrong on a call or on a demo don't line item all 15 things that they did wrong. Force rank which ones they can improve quickly or that's more critical. And don't ever give them more than three things to take away from that. But yeah, Here's three things that I want to see on your next call. Here's three action items that you can do. Let's practice these three. Then when they do that, tackle the next three. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you got so time. Just make sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though it's an early stage startup and you don't have time, it's going to hurt you longer in the, in the long run if you don't do it properly.
1: Yeah, they're going to be doing things wrong. You're not going to be able to track metrics. It's, yeah, it's going to be all bad.
0: What other things are you doing to onboard?
1: I think we talked about this, and I I don't want to make this a commercial by any stretch, but I think we talked about one of the tools that was really helpful that I had used. And, you know, as we talked about resources, right, you've got to make sure where you can deploy your resources. But one of the most useful tools that I used for onboarding was Chorus.ai, and it's a AI tool that records demos, calls, and et cetera like this. But the really key valuable thing that I found from it is that it indexes right all of your calls, but it also allows you to create like playlists per se of objections, right? And so now I can make a list of, here's all the objections you'll get, but then here's the AE's correct rebuttal, if you will, right, if you wanna use that word. And so for the onboarding process, i had them just go through and listen and try to just absorb and spend at least a couple hours a day of listening to just real world calls and call recordings so whether you use chorus or you use some other tool having that repository of real world real calls that you can point to is critical and so we talked about one of the other episodes too. I, I typically like to use Friday afternoons for call recording sessions or email like audit sessions as well. And so index those as well, right? Index those from like, hey, here's the common objections you're going to get, how you can overcome them. But also, if you're coaching a specific methodology, let's say you have a five step call flow, index people that executed that call flow flawlessly, even if they didn't get the demo. Right. And you can tell them like th- this isn't going to get you the demo every time because I think what a lot of people do is they'll take your your new hire packet, you're okay, this is how I'm supposed to do it, and they do it flawlessly, and it doesn't get them the demo. So it's like, oh my God, I must have to change something. Yeah. And it's like, no, well, even if you actually get this flawly, it's going to work about 10% of the time. <laughs> you know, you're you're and so I always tell you guys, I'm like, you're working in an environment that's a 90% fail rate. Yeah. You can't win all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I think just understanding like a repository of real-world calls and demos and getting them to see the good, the bad, and the ugly is is really helpful. Absolutely. So I, I think any way that you can index those is critical. So through your VoIP, doing call recordings, if it's chorus, something like that. But just keeping a repository of those is critical because again, as you start to grow the team, it's very different onboarding two people versus six people, 10 people, 15 people. Yeah, at some point you get diminishing returns on you as an individual, right? So you've got to have this system that can also help coach and grow people as well. Uh, And the other thing on that note too is I've always found for whatever reason, when you onboard a minimum of two people at a time, both tend to perform better. I'm not sure if it's peer pressure or whatever it is, but there's been a couple instances where I onboarded one person. Yeah. And I just, I you know, I couldn't get anyone else, or whatever, right, circumstances that surrounded it. And those people, every single time I've had to do it, even though they went through the same process, they ramped slower.
0: Yeah. They don't have don't, the the peer, the peer pressure to, to keep them moving forward. The challenge. Yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, it's peer-to-peer, right? And one of the best onboarding classes I had is I had like four people That I onboarded, and three of them just—I mean—crushed it out of the gate. And it's because one was doing really well, and it up leveled the other ones. Right, one got off to a good start, and the other ones were like, "Holy crap!" Like I need, and so that peer pressure of I don't want to fall behind and I want to outperform people, I think really does help. So if you can, I would always recommend, even if you're early stage, if even if you're bringing on your first BDR, I'd highly recommend doing two versus one because it's a force multiplier.
0: Also, if you've got two, if you've only got one, you can't tell if it's them doing it wrong or if it's the system is wrong. So
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. It helps you pressure test it. Yeah.
0: So one more thing that I want to add to uh, onboarding that I think is really important is to have different members of different teams come and and run some sessions like the product team, the technical team, financing. Everybody comes and talks to the new hires and explains to them from their aspect, that side of the business.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about culture, right? I think that's an easy way to stay, have everyone looped in on culture, right? And hey, you, you give them slots and you talk about it and what's critical of the company.
0: Definitely culture is really important. But I mean, if you're selling more of a technical product or you're selling selling some kind of product, it's really important to know like the backbone. And if you, let's say it's a technical product to speak to your tech team and understand why this is important from a technical, hearing it from a technical person versus hearing it from a salesperson is a world of difference. So it's very important.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. All right. Is anything else you want to add on... uh, on onboarding
1: again be quick but don't hurry measure twice cut once right so have a process like again you, you can only improve metrics that you track and if you can't trust your metrics it's it's really hard to drive them there so set mile markers be hyper diligent with all the metrics that you can track so you can build out a funnel so you can scale it so you can understand where someone is off calibrated it's really 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 helpful right and practice 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 And let them chop some wood, right? Get them out there early, right? Don't be afraid to say, well, you know, we've got to practice for three weeks, even if it is super technical, find them some raw leads that they can just chop wood on, get them comfortable making the phone. I think the longer you wait to get them out there, like the pressure is going to build up.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Great. So, I mean, that kind of wraps it up for uh, recruiting and hiring and uh, this episode. So what I really want to say is we haven't actually said it before, but for all the people listening, share this on LinkedIn if you're finding this uh, valuable tag, John and I, and please spread the word on this podcast and, and have more people listen to it and share your feedback with us. John and I love hearing feedback from the listeners.
1: Yeah, this is only fun to do if it's helpful for other people, right? And so we're trying to give some knowledge out there that that's really helpful. So if you like it, if you found something valuable, yeah, hit us up on LinkedIn, tag some people, share it with people. If there's ideas on topics you would like us to talk on that we can provide some subject matter expertise, I think we're we're willing to do that as well. So yeah, any insight is is welcomed and and helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can reach us both at LinkedIn. There's a we'll put it in the show notes, but also at startupsales.io. Yeah, there's a contact us form, and then you could put some comments in there as well. Great. So next week, we're going to talk about mental framing. Can You you want to give a teaser to that?
1: Yeah, I think if you've listened to all these episodes that we've done, and you've listened to them in sequence, you're not going to want to miss this one. And this is something that I'm really passionate about. And when we talked about onboarding and we talked about new reps, the first meeting that they do at the company, the first hour they have before we do anything, is we do an hour long meeting on mental framing and how it impacts their success. And so I'm gonna give you guys some some bullet points, hopefully to take away from it that you could really walk away with. But this is something where, you're the key driver of your own success, right? And your mental framing, the way that you look at things is going to be critical to the success. So if you've listened to all these episodes and you found them valuable, make sure you tune into this one as well. Excellent. I'll be there. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Perfect. All right,
0: John. Thanks. And thanks for everyone listening.
1: All right, guys. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io.